everyone, and welcome to Sugar Pills, your practical guide to self-care. I'm your host, Candy Washington, and I can't wait to help you lead a more joyful life. So let's get started on this week's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care. And before we dive into today's episode, which will be in a very an empowering conversation with Mallory Wegman, don't forget to rate, like, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to head over to Instagram at Candy Washington. Tag me with you listening to the podcast, and I will show you some love and give you a repost. Head over to the show notes and get all of our self-care resources. And also be sure to check out the Basic Girls Guide to Self-Care for all of our favorite goodies. So without further ado, I want to introduce to everyone Mallory Wegman, who is a Paralympic gold medalist, world champion swimmer, ESPY or SP winner, <laughs> sorry for all the sports people out there, SP winner, an NBC sports commentator who uses her extraordinary story to equip others to meet whatever challenges they may face in life. Mallory Wegman's story is rooted in resilience, grit, and an uncompromising commitment to excellence. And in her new book, Limitless, Mallory shares the lessons that she learns by pushing past every obstacle, expectation, and limitation that stood in her way. So with that, thank you so much, Mallory, for joining us. Thank you so much, Candy, for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. Absolutely. So do you want to give everyone listening just a little bit about your background and and your story? And then what really brought you to writing um, your book, Limitless? Yeah, of course. You know, for me, my story started out pretty, pretty traditional. I'm the baby of three girls. I grew up in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and I have been a lifelong competitive swimmer. But when I was 18 years old, just the January after high school graduation, I walked in for what was to be my third and final epidural injection for back pain, Mm -hmm. and I never walked out. And so for me, that day becoming paralyzed at the age of 18 really became my sudden moment of impact. And in a lot of ways, it became my pivoting moment in life, kind of that time where it felt like I had this life before paralysis, and now I was embarking on this new life after paralysis But the catch was, is I had no idea what life after paralysis would look like. I felt like I was surrounded with more questions than answers and the uncertainty was all consuming at times. And over the past 13 years, I have been really fortunate to find my way back to the sport of swimming just a couple months after my injury and become a two-time Paralympian Mm -hmm. training now for what will be in my third Paralympic games and most recently writing Limitless. And I think in a lot of ways, when I kind of look at the, again, that's like the 30,000 foot view of my story, but when, when I up there kind of looking down at this and I I think about limitless and this journey I've been on the past year writing, I really found myself at a stage in my own journey where I finally felt like I was in the place mentally and emotionally to share my story in a way that hopefully would empower others to honor their journey. And I think that's what it really came down to. I knew that how I got to where I am today mm-hmm. is not just this constant idea of like, oh, if you're just positive, it'll happen. I mean, I believe in the power of positivity, but the truth of it is we all have hard days and hard seasons in life. And so I think the, the biggest thing that gets us through is 
giving ourselves the space to honor where we are in those moments. And so I really wanted to find a way to put that journey into words and hopefully do so in a way that can empower others to take a step back and honor their journey so they can find their limitless potential within. Absolutely. And and what really resonated with me with, with your story was you said that you couldn't see what your life would look like after being paralyzed and that you had more questions than answers. So what was that pivotal moment in your mindset for you where you were able to create a new life for yourself that would still let you be empowered and do all of the wonderful things that you're doing? Like, what was that mindset shift? Did you do any visualization? You know, how did you really go from not knowing what your future looked like to creating a pretty um, impressive life for yourself? You know, for me, a lot of it came when I found my way back to the sport of swimming. So as I shared, I, I'd been a competitive swimmer my entire life. I swam competitively from seven to 18, my senior year in high school before my paralysis. And after I was injured, that was one of the many things that I assumed would not hold a place in my future now that I was paralyzed. And just two and a half months after my paralysis, I found my way back to the pool. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it was the black line, that line that trails the middle of each lane in any competition or training pool you'll ever see. And finding the place of of freely being out of my chair and in the water and face first, hovering over that black line as I took each stroke and realizing that while so much of my life had changed not everything had changed and there was comfort in that. And so I really looked to my swimming as my bridge. It was the thing that connected me to my past because I think after trauma and adversity, we feel like our life gets separated into kind of these two eras, life before that event and life after that event. But we still are very much to our core, the person we were prior. That that singular day or moment in time that that adversity took place doesn't just completely change us. It, it's, it's a part of who we are, but we still are all those things we were before. And so I really wanted to find a way to connect to that person. And swimming let me do that. And it also met me where I was at in that moment and, and gave me something to look forward to in my future. And it wasn't that every day I swam over the black line, I was fighting to become a Paralympic champion. I mean, when I got in the water, I was just fighting to survive still. But it, it was that symbol for me of realizing, like, if I can adapt the sport of swimming and I can return to that, who's to say I can't do all of these other things outside of the pool that I want to do? Go back to school, start dating again, live on my own, all the, all the things I thought would be a part of my life before my paralysis. And so, you know, it's interesting because I refer to the water as my sanctuary. It's my safe place. And, you know... I I visualize the water quite literally every single day. And I also swim in the water every (laughs) single day, but it really did serve as that place for me. And the interesting thing is for the past 13 years, it has continued to do that because I've continued to face struggles and adversity as we, as we all will in our journey. So for me, that pivoting moment was, uh, it really was when I got back into the sport of swimming and started to see what what life could be and, and, you know, finding the freedom in who I was and not allowing that day to become my defining factor. Absolutely. And you said that you were going in for your third epidural shot. So I'm assuming that was 
an accident, what happened to you essentially, what caused you to be paralyzed. So I was wondering, what was your journey to forgiving the doctor or whatever may have happened? And then also, I think even though it may not be our fault or nothing that we've done to bring on a tragedy or trauma, there's always some part of self-forgiveness that goes into that as well. So what was your journey to forgiving the doctor, forgiving yourself and really coming to a place of inner peace with, with what happened? Yeah. You know, forgiveness is a, it's a really powerful tool and it's a big part of our journeys. Mm -hmm. I think that we are all going to get to a place in our life at some point where we have to choose if we're going to have kind of find that courage to forgive. And, you know, for me, what happened on January 21st, 2008, it haunted me for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I was really angry. I was upset. I was frustrated. I didn't understand why or how or any of those emotions. And there weren't many answers that I had. And I still 13 years later don't have. And I really struggled with that. I struggled with knowing that I will never fully know what happened between the four walls of that room. Mm -hmm. And that was really difficult and became kind of all consuming for quite some time. And, and I faced that, that realization of like, I was yearning for closure, but I associated closure to needing to know all the answers. And the truth of the matter is when we face adversity and we face trauma, unfortunately, more often than not, we don't get all the answers. Closure doesn't come wrapped in a box with a pretty bow on it. It's something that we, we have to create for ourselves a lot of times. And having the answers doesn't change the outcome. And at the end of the day, we are left with this, with this moment in our life that we have to figure out how we're going to respond to so we can move forward into our future. And so forgiveness for me was a big piece of that. And it was probably one of the most challenging things that I, I did. And it was very much an inward journey and it's not something you can rush. And I think that that's the biggest thing I learned in that process. And the biggest thing that all these years later, I'm so grateful for that I didn't rush that journey. I didn't feel like it had to happen on some specific timeline. And, and I let myself realize the truth in healing isn't chronological. And I didn't let myself get pinned into this box of like, okay, I have to do this by this date and this by this. And if I don't, I'm, I'm grieving and healing wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and that gave me a lot of freedom to take my time with the process. And I say that because, you know, now here I am talking about it and, and it doesn't, well, it definitely stems emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not triggered with anger. I'm not triggered mm -hmm. with those things that for so long I was. And I think had I not taken the time to truly let myself get to that point of forgiveness, I would be saying that I forgave, but not actually bought into that idea. Mm -hmm. And these conversations would be triggering because it would be like, I'm trying to convince myself something that I didn't fully let my heart do. Absolutely. Would it be coming from an authentic place within you? You'd be kind of faking it. Yeah. Yeah. Which clearly, clearly you're not. And, and one thing that I love about our conversation and things that you've said, and what comes so clear to me is you have this calmness about you, which I think is really um, impressive and telling of the work that you've done to get to where you, to where you are after what happened to you. And then another thing that I love that you're saying is 
sort of about like the toxic positivity, you know, a lot in wellness and self-help and self-care. It's like, just say your affirmations, you know, here are my mantras, you know, we, you, you go girl, like all that stuff, you know, and you get to the point where you're just like, uh, can you calm down and like relax? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's really in alignment with what I do in my podcast. It's all about practical self-care tips and tools that you can bring to your day-to-day life in a very real, tangible way. Um, and I, and I love that about you and, and your story and your journey. And also what I really loved about the book. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that resiliency that you have and just sort of harnessing the power of hope in a very real human way that's rooted in real humanity, which, which is what I really loved about your book and your story. Yeah. I, <laughs> as you say, toxic positivity, because we've all, we've all heard it. We've all done it ourselves. No matter who we are, we find ourselves doing the same thing at times. And it's so true. And, and it's also one of those things where, again, I'm going to go back to this because we all know adversity. I mean, mm-hmm. sure. Not everyone was paralyzed at the age of 18, but everybody has a story and it's in perspective to your own life for how that impacts you moving forward. And, and I think that with that is when we go through hard times, society doesn't always know what to do or to say. And so we're always met with this borderline kind of toxic positivity of like, you're going to be fine or, or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, I know that. Or the line of it could always be worse, which I agree with to some extent. And I tell myself that, but I also think that there's steps that you have to let yourself do before you just jump to that, or you're kind of almost guilting yourself into not allowing yourself to feel what you need to, to process that moment. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one of the things that I've really focused a lot on is there's a difference between letting yourself feel where you're at in a moment and living your feelings, right? Like, if I let myself step back and acknowledge, you know what, today sucks. Like I need to say that I need to acknowledge it. I need to like put it out there and just let myself vocalize that even if it's just to myself. So that way I can start to move forward. So it's not like in the back of my head, weighing on me all day long. And now I'm living in this thought that today sucks, but I'm not willing to just say it and, and figure out what I'm going to do to move past it, if you will. Um, and that's like a really small example, but I, I do think that there is, there's a lot of truth and we, we do have to slow down enough to let ourselves feel the hard things so we can begin to move forward. And again, there's a difference between living in, in it and acknowledging the feeling. And so for me, that's been a big piece of this. And I think when it comes to, you know, harnessing our inner resilience, it, It's not about, in my opinion, it's not necessarily about showing up every day with grace because some days are hard, but it's about choosing to show up every day. And it's, it's kind of simultaneously that easy and that difficult because showing up can be really challenging and choosing to get up day after day after day, when you find yourself in a dark season is probably sometimes the hardest thing we can do. But when we make that one singular choice, it sets the pace for next week and next month and the year after that. And it starts to bring us into the light rather than letting us fall into this feeling of feeling like we are consumed by darkness. Um, and I don't know if that makes any sense. I feel like I'm kind of rambling on that. <laughs> like, 
such a loaded conversation in a really good way that I I just think, I don't know, it's very personal to me because I've I've faced that a lot and, and I'm inherently fairly, I would say I'm positive, but I'm not positive and like, oh, it's just all sunshine and rainbows. I'm positive in the fact that I've been through the depths and I've realized I've honored my journey and and come to a point of realizing I survived those depths. And so that's given me a different perspective. And I think perspective and positivity kind of go hand in hand, but they're not quite the same. No, absolutely. I think, and I I agree with all the points you made. I think you made a lot of powerful points. Like um, the first one, you really have to release it. Like when you have that bad day and you're just like, you know what, today's a, a crappy day. I'm not feeling good. This, whatever happened. And when you release it and you shine a light on it, you take away its power, which is yeah. what you're saying. It no longer has the power to sort of sabotage the rest of your day or to, or to drain the rest of your energy. You know, once you speak to it, you speak it out, you release it and then you free yourself from it. So I think that was a really powerful point. And then I also love that you said, um, you know, it's not about showing up in like such a great mood every day, but it's about showing up every day and I think that grace is what gives you the power to show up every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really thought that was powerful because it's true. You know, it's not about being sunshine and rainbows every day. It's just about showing up as your full authentic self that day. And sometimes that looks like today just isn't a good day, but I'm still here. Yep. So I I think that that is, it's it's such a powerful thing that this year, especially, I mean, goodness gracious, this year has been so hard on so many people. And I think every single one of us has probably had our moment where we have felt guilty for saying today sucks because then we look around us and we're like, well, but I have a roof over my head. I have food on my table. I still have a job or I'm healthy or like whatever it is. There's some version of how we're living right now where we quite literally have seen in our society around us how it could be worse. Mm -hmm. And so when we're struggling, we almost are, our default for positivity is like, well, it could always be worse, which yes, there's truth to that perspective. But I think when we just rush to that as the knee jerk statement, we rush past letting ourselves honor what it is that we're feeling. And then instead of helping us get out of the rut, it actually makes it worse because now we feel guilty for feeling how we feel. And that's just a spiral. And so it's, um, it's that fine balance, like I said, of honoring your feelings and where you're at without living in them. Absolutely. It's like, I, I feel sad, but I'm not a sad person or like this moment is depressing me, but I refuse to live in depression. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think yeah. too, realizing that we can be two things at once. Yeah. You can go through seasons seasons of heartbreak while still experiencing joy. Mm -hmm. It's not one or the other and that's okay. It's okay to be happy about, I mean, goodness. I remember when I saw myself in a mirror for the first time after I was paralyzed, it was two weeks after I moved into a, onto a rehab floor Mm -hmm. and the medical floor I was on was not wheelchair accessible. Imagine that in a hospital. And so I couldn't wheel into the bathroom. So I hadn't seen myself in a mirror or like wheeled up to a sink. I was brushing my teeth out of like a little bin in bed. Mm -hmm. And so when I, in that two weeks after wheeled into that bathroom and wheeled under a sink and looked in the mirror and was able to like freely brush my teeth 
in a bathroom for the first time in weeks. I was excited. I smiled. Like there was some joy in that because it was some little sliver of normalcy. That doesn't mean I wasn't also sad and heartbroken about the fact that two weeks prior I'd became paralyzed. And, and I think that sometimes it's easy when we're going through adversities to also feel like we need to only feel one thing like, okay, well, it's, it's too soon after to be happy yet, or it's been long enough. I should be happy now. And, and you get to feel both. You, you a hundred percent get to feel both. Yeah. And it goes back to that healing isn't linear. You know, it's not just, oh, this is the timeline. It's been two months. It's been five months. You should be here. You should do this. Have you dreamed this way? Have you been angry? Have you bargained yet? Like, you know, like all the different steps of grief, you know, it's not linear and, and it comes in waves and you just kind of have to ride the wave that comes to you with the grace that you're given to ride it. Uh, So true. Absolutely. And, and it's so true. I also feel like sometimes in our society where we're, we're, we're shamed too much. Like we're shamed if we're having a bad day. Well, well, why don't you just practice gratitude? And then if you practice gratitude, then you're shamed for like being too cheerful. It's like, you can't satisfy anyone. So you should do what you're saying, satisfy yourself, validate your own feelings and just be in tune with the timeline of your own journey. A hundred percent. And I think that in that conversation, there are always going to be opinions Mm -hmm. from people outside. Right. And, and that was one of the biggest things that I'd come to terms with after my paralysis. I, I felt like when I went outside the, the walls of my home, I went into a society that because I had four wheels beneath me felt like it was a free for all to say exactly what they were thinking, ask whatever question they may or may not have. And like, privacy was no longer a a privilege that I carried. It was like, I wheeled out the doors and I was just subject to what anybody was thinking or feeling in that moment or whatever curiosity sparked them. And I really struggled with that because it was very seldom like positive stuff. It was usually stuff that just left me feeling completely defeated. Mm -hmm. And I ultimately realized that at the end of the day, whether it's an extreme like that or just some offhand comment of somebody other people's perceptions of what they perceive your capabilities to be is not a reflection of your worth. It is a reflection of their own ignorance, their own insecurities and their own unconscious bias. And that is not yours to carry. And it doesn't mean that those words aren't going to hit you from time to time. I'm again, I'm 13 years out and pre-COVID when I was out grocery shopping at Trader Joe's in the produce (laughs) section, I had a guy like, motion to my chair as I'm picking out limes and say, it must be so miserable to live life like that. And I was like, in the middle of Trader Joe's on like a Tuesday, I forget what day of the week it was, but we're just going to go. Like, Oh, is there a mirror on my chair? You must be looking at yourself. I know. Of course (laughs) I smile. And I was like, I'm, I'm very grateful for what I do have. I hope you have a wonderful day because in my mind, it's like, who knows what he's going through in that moment. But at the end of the day, like that still kind of cut me a little, but it's, it's okay. But at the same time, it's important to remember that whatever triggered him to say that Mm -hmm. that's not mine to carry. And the same is true for all of us. And so yeah, society's going to have a lot of things they want to say. They're going to have a lot of opinions. And, and at the end of the day, I think the most freeing thing we can give ourselves is 
understanding that that's not a reflection of who we are and that is not ours to carry. Exactly. That was just a lot of projection on his part. Whatever he was going through, he just thought he had the privilege to spew that out onto you, which he does not have. Yeah. Yeah, It sounds like people kind of forget about just decent boundaries in life. Like there are just things you do not say or do to people out of common decency. So, so yeah, but, but I love that. Um, Cause you know, like regardless of what it is, people will say things, even if they're not intentionally meaning it, that can cut and can be really hard. And I think what you've done and what we all need to really do is really be clear on what our own narrative for ourselves is. So when we know what our story is, when we know who we are, when we know what we stand for, if someone comes to us with their own narrative, we can reject it and be like, you know what? That's not part of my story. That's not mine to carry. That's not who I am. We can leave that right there. So So I love that. I love that. Mallory, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. I know you have some really great plans for tonight. Um, but if you could leave all of us who are listening um, with one key insight or perspective or just story or journey that we should take from our time with you, what's that one key thing? You know, I, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I, I found through the journey of writing Limitless and, and to give a little perspective to that, I've journaled this entire journey. Mm-hmm. And so I leaned on those journals when I wrote and it was it was really healing in its own way because, you know, you write a journal, you don't really read them back. You kind of leave it there. You turn the page and you do your next one the next day or whenever you come back to it. And so I went through 13 years of journals as I was writing Limitless. And in those pages, I, I became so proud of my 18 year old self. And I think that we're in, when we're in the midst of overcoming trauma and moving through adversity, we're, we're so rooted in just that survival mode that we don't even really realize what's going on. We're just trying to survive. And so to go back and look at that, I realized the power that comes when, as you were just saying, when we give ourselves the space to honor our journey. And there is a difference between appreciating our past and living in our past. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look in the mirror, we should all appreciate our past because it is what has gotten us to the very place we are today. And throughout those years, as I read those journals, I saw a very scared 18 year old girl who was in a lot of ways really sad. But I also saw an incredibly strong, courageous, determined 18 year old woman who realized the strength that comes when we understand that we will all carry circumstances in our life, but we are more than them. Like they are not our defining factor. And through those pages, I really found a lot of, a lot of strength in knowing that our now doesn't define what's to become. Mm-hmm. And wherever we find ourselves right now in this moment, whether it's the version of our life we were hoping we would live or not, where we are right now does not define what is to become. And there's something so freeing about that, because I think sometimes we put too much, um, too much emphasis on like, I'm not where I thought I was going to be by 30, or I'm not doing what I thought I was going to do by this age, or I haven't hit this milestone yet. And, and instead, I think it's important to slow down and realize, sure, that might be true. And maybe this was a goal you had in place. And maybe you're not there yet. And you thought you would be, but you know what? 
that's also okay because look at where you've come and look at what you've survived and look at how much you've been through to get to this moment. And maybe you're not there right now, but that doesn't mean that you won't get there. And so I just would encourage anyone listening to give yourself the space to honor your journey and, and not feel weighed down by societal expectations or even your own expectations, just Mm kind of like step back from it for a minute and appreciate where you've come from and who you are and, and be kind to that reflection in the mirror because that reflection has survived everything up until this point in your life. Mm, Absolutely. That is so powerful. And what I really took away from, you know, you talking about, you know, your 18 year old self and her being in pain, but she also saw that she had such a bigger purpose. And I think that's really what is so powerful about your story that you can be 18, have everything ahead of you, have this happen to you. And even though you're in a lot of pain, you still find the purpose of who you are and who you are meant to be. And then, like you said, you give yourself your space to let your life unfold as it's supposed to, rather than how you think it has to. So I think that is just so beautiful. So thank you so much, Mallory, for being with us. Everyone listening, linked in the show notes will be how you can get Mallory's book, Limitless, and then also how you can connect with her online. Um, Do you want to share with us any other ways how we can connect with you? But everything will also be linked in the show notes. Yeah, of course. I think the biggest way I am very active on Instagram and Facebook, and I I love to hear you guys' stories too. So if you come follow me, I love to create a dialogue over there and, and hear your own I am limitless stories. It's what I love about limitless. It gets to, I know we talked, joked about affirmations a little bit, but there is there's power in them too. No, they are. And, <laughs> and honoring who we are. And so I think that that's one of the, the really powerful things that I've really enjoyed so far, even just the short time since it's been released is hearing other people's stories of what they too have survived. I love it. Thank you so much, Mallory. I appreciate your time and have fun tonight. You deserved it and congratulations. Thank you so much, Candy. It was really nice to meet you. You too. Thank you so much for joining me and please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. Head over to Instagram and join me at Candy Washington. I can't wait to hear from you.